Well, good morning, Community Grace. Uh, I am obviously not Pastor Reg, uh, if you did not know. Uh, he and his family have been sick most, most of this week, and uh, they're not quite over it yet, so Reg asked if I would be willing to step in for him this morning, and uh, he did all the prep work for the message today, and I'm just going to preach it. Uh, so as I, tell my, as I tell the students a lot on Wednesday nights, I say, before a lot of any trips that we take, I always say our number one rule is trust God and be flexible. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So uh, here we go. Um, temptation is something that we all face. Uh, it is something that is around us all the time. Uh, consider, consider these statements. Temptations, unlike opportunities, will always give you a second chance, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth. And most people who flee from temptation usually leave a forwarding address. You see, temptation began on earth when Satan tempted Adam and Eve in God's perfectly created Garden of Eden. And to set the cosmic stage for today, I want to read some excerpts from our Caris Fellowship's own renowned author, Tom Julian, from his incredible book, The Three Princes. It says, Adam, first man, was created to be a prince. His kingdom was the earth. He was appointed ruler of God's new world. Only one being in the entire universe could break this contract with God, and that being Adam himself. The rule of the new world's prince would be pathetically brief, usurped by being later known as Satan. To achieve his fiendish plan, Satan, embodying a serpent, deceived Eve and tempted her to eat of the forbidden fruit. Adam made no effort to stop her and willfully rebelled against the command of his creator by accepting the fruit from her hand. The result was the death of mankind, both physical and spiritual. The disobedience brought devastating consequences upon all of creation. It also meant that Satan, by subjecting man to himself, became the legal prince of this world. And Satan retains that power today. As Ephesians 2.2 identifies Satan as the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Satan is extremely powerful, yet he has no authority over Jesus or those who believe in Jesus. So if, if he does not have authority over us, how is he so powerful? What does he have? Well, he has temptation, sneakiness, deception, lies, and trickery of the most masterful kind. All humans give into it, have given into it, except one notable exception and that being Jesus. As we continue in our series in Matthew, Follow the King today, Jesus' ministry on earth begins by being led into the wilderness to be severely tempted by Satan. 
Today we discover the depths of what Jesus accomplished in his temptation and how to follow his example for beating temptation in our lives. We're in Matthew 4, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there as we look at this temptation of Jesus. To help us grasp the amazing depths of this passage and how much it applies to our own everyday lives, there's some things we need to make and sure we understand. First, we need to know the three realities of spiritual warfare. You see, spiritual warfare is a topic that we must know about and understand. As we start in Matthew 4.1, let's observe who and what is involved as chapter 4 begins. Matthew 4.1 tells us, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So first, there is our Savior and King, Jesus, led by God the Spirit. Then we have the devil and a spiritual war waged by one key word, temptation. To beat temptation and have a godly, victorious life, we need knowledge of how the spiritual dimension and our physical dimension are intertwined. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So let's be sure to know these three realities. First, there is a spiritual world. God's word teaches us there, that there is an invisible spiritual world that is just as real as the visible natural world. There are a vast number of angels, both good and bad, and they exist all around us. Some would absolutely take our breath away or absolutely terrify us, depending on the circumstances. And in fact, last Sunday, Zach Hill and I, in community of training with, with the junior hires and the high schoolers, had a very in-depth conversation about spiritual beings. It's something that we're always wondering about, something we want to know about because it exists. And that spirit world impacts our physical reality and our physical activity, such as our prayers and worship, impact that spiritual reality significantly, which is why we need to be aware of that reality. The second reality is that we are involved in a spiritual war. For some of you, this is going to make some sense of your life. To understand that a battle is continually raging between conflicting kingdoms. The kingdom of Jesus Christ, of light, and the kingdom of Satan, of darkness. All of history, from Adam and Eve to you and me, to the end of time, is a story of spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6 10 to 13 explains this very well. Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. You see, temptation for the Christian is a daily battle that is not only about us and our lives, it's about an all-out attack of the devil on the kingdom of Christ, an attack on every person who associates with Christ. An attacking Christian, Satan is attacking Christ. So trusting in Jesus for salvation does not end our battles against temptation. If anything, it intensifies them because we gain an enemy. The kingdom of darkness that seeks to destroy Jesus is absolutely 100% committed to devouring Jesus' followers. It's encouraging, isn't it? But we can be encouraged because we have Jesus' authority. We have the Holy Spirit, and God is sovereign. Now, let's bring these truths a little closer to home. The third spiritual reality is that our involvement is personal. The battles are being fought on a worldwide scale, yes, that is true, but also right where you are at in your life. You are being tempted right now, even if you don't realize it. You very well could be on the verge of wrecking your life, especially if you're not aware of it. Have you ever thought about how cows are now led to the slaughter? Some of you actually know how cows are led to the slaughter, because that's how you make a living. But for those of us that don't know the history of it, a long time ago, it used to be a big battle to get unwilling cows into where they could be slaughtered. Because, you know, cows would willingly go to the slaughter. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but some time ago, agricultural scientists actually developed a method that makes cows feel content and comfortable by replicating the scenery and sensations of peaceful moments. Starting to sound a little familiar. At some farms, they go through a squeeze chute that mimics a mother's muzzling touch right up to the machine that strikes them dead with a single blow. Like the cattle, the forces of spiritual war convince us that we should be comfortable, that we are in charge, that our rights and our desires are always justified. That evil is good, and that good is evil. These are the battlegrounds of the spiritual war. I will admit how often I feel tempted. Almost every time I see an attractive woman who is not my wife, I have a battle on my hands. I'm tempted to overvalue my performance, I'm usually tempted to take the easy way out when the hard way is right. I'm often tempted to put things off until tomorrow because I really just don't feel like doing them today. And this is just scratching the surface. The list of temptations is bad, the list of temptations and battles is endless and constant. Don't be fooled. 
The war is real and the enemy is persistent, constantly and subtly enticing you with sin that will only lead your life to defeat, to depression, to addiction, to broken relationships and leave your life in shambles. So 1 Peter 5 so clearly tells us to be sober-minded, to be watchful because our adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We're told to resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Those are massively important instructions and promises from God. So what exists at Community Grace for our battles against temptation? What defenses do we have to defeat him? We have a few. First is corporate worship, gathering together weekly and worshiping God together, spending time daily in in the Bible and in prayer. Our community of small groups that have have just kicked off our, our spring session, semester, personal discipleship and accountability, and ministry and mission teams, because we must remain active in the church and on Jesus' mission. God has given you things in order to help you defeat temptation. But listen, listen, our time in the word and in prayer and with Christian family must be, must be comparable to the time you spend discipled by media, by screens, secular education, and influences at work. Church often gets a couple few hours of your week where your political pundits, social media, movies, godless education, and work environments get hours upon hours more. All these are discipling and indoctrinating you whether you know it or not. Be careful because this has led to the undoing of Christians' faith, salt, and light in our current world. And yet, Satan has no authority over us, only temptation. He only has temptation. These are the realities of spiritual war. Now, a new king has come, one whom Satan could not control, And who earned salvation for us and shows us the wisdom and the way to beat Satan's temptations. Point two for us today is we need to know temptation's pattern and follow Jesus' example. Temptation has a pattern of attack and Jesus shows us the way to victory. We must know them both. Our text today gives us three facts about temptation and Jesus' way to beat it. First, temptation comes at a particular time. To understand this clearly, we need to go back a couple verses and remember how last week's message ended at his baptism. 
It was an incredible moment where the Trinity appeared together to launch Jesus' earthly ministry. Let's check this out. Matthew 3, 16 to 17, it says this. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is a spiritual high for Jesus. This is like Jesus coming back from a conference. And what happens next shows that temptations often come right after those spiritual victories or those spiritual highs. Look at Matthew 4, 1 to 2. It says, then, meaning immediately after Jesus' baptism, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So here, Satan has this opportunity to take Jesus' kingdom away from him. Because Satan isn't stupid. He waits until the end of a 40-day fast when Jesus' strength was low. That means Satan knows what makes us weak, and he knows when we are weak. And I can attest, usually husbands and wives fall quickly into fighting when they're both hungry, tired, stressed, in debt, you name it. And in our Conquer series, we were tasked to form a battle plan for purity in our lives. We learned to identify our triggers, when we're most vulnerable to temptation, which is usually when we're tired, hungry, we have bad habits, rituals, we have fantasies, we feel disrespected. But outside of that, we also learn how to create a battle plan to conquer that temptation. We journal the battles so we know our triggers. We know and study God's word. We have accountability with, with battle partners and prepare for the battles that we know are coming. See, this isn't just a, a plan for the men. This is, this is what we're talking about this morning. This is what we need. This is what we all need. And Jesus gives us everything we need. So let's learn more. Temptation comes in particular times, and it also comes in particular ways. See, Satan aimed three temptations at Jesus in the wilderness. Each was progressively aimed at Jesus from a different angle, trying to find a weakness in his spiritual armor. And he does this exact same thing to us. First, there's the temptations to satisfy physical appetites. Remember what, the, remember what God the Father had told Jesus at his baptism. He said, this is my beloved son. Okay, remember that. Now as we read the first temptation in Matthew 4, 3. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. See, Satan has no doubt that Jesus is the son of God. No doubt. So he plays into Jesus' power with his weakened condition. 
He tempts him simply to meet a physical need, to have a material provision, food. This sin is sneaky, very sneaky, because there is nothing inherently evil about eating food. Many of us know where we're going for lunch after this, right? It's a good time. Eating food's a good thing. Nor is there anything inherently evil about having material possessions. The temptation even seems best for Jesus because he's hungry. So because he's hungry, he should eat, right? That's what you do. But this temptation is in the heart. The enemy wants to get Jesus to not trust the Father's plan and his care for us so that we go about it in our own way. And I love this because Jesus responds immediately by quoting a scripture passage from Deuteronomy. And in fact, all three times that Jesus, uh, that Jesus responds with scripture is from Deuteronomy. Why is this? Well, well don't, miss, don't miss this because what Matthew has revealed as to what Jesus is doing here is all three scriptures he quotes were commands that Israel failed to keep. But Jesus, as the new prince, intends to keep in order to earn our salvation and his kingly rights. Jesus defeats Satan in verse 4 by quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. He says this, But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, in Deuteronomy, God had tested Israel to trust him in a time of physical need by learning that obeying God's word is always more important than satisfying a physical appetite. Israel failed massively. Jesus succeeded massively. For us to succeed, we need to always choose to obey God rather than what feels good. We need to always choose God's word over our wants and desires. Having passed that first temptation, the second way temptations come are for our personal gain. This second temptation puts the Father's love and his power to the test. And Satan uses a completely different strategy. This time, it wasn't about satisfying physical needs, but about a desire for personal gain, for fame, attention, adoration, or popularity. Look at what he does. Matthew 4, 5 to 6 says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, And set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So here we see that Satan physically transported Jesus to the pinnacle of Herod's temple. 450 feet in the air. For you visual people, that's about the height of a 45-story building. And Malachi 3.1 prophesied that the Lord shall suddenly come to his temple. 
and Jews believed that the Messiah would come down miraculously from the sky to the temple. So if Jesus did this, if he jumped and was held by the angels, he would gain instant recognition and fame as the Messiah. Skip all the suffering that would occur and just become famous and loved and become the most popular man on the earth. One recent survey revealed that 51% of 18 to 25-year-olds said that becoming famous was their generation's first or second most important life goal. It's sad how powerful the desire for fame and popularity have become. But don't be fooled, this is not just a young person problem. A desire for admiration motivates us more than we actually might realize. It honestly dictates the clothes we wear, the decisions we make, the relationships we pursue, And I wonder how many times those become more important to us than actually following Jesus. Fear of losing popularity is often what keeps us from lovingly telling people the truth. Let me me say that again. Fear of losing popularity is often what keeps us from lovingly telling people the truth. That means if people face God's eternal judgment in hell, we can't let this temptation win and keep us from telling them the truth. We can't. But let's look at how Jesus responds. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.16, a time when Israel stopped trusting God first and were prone to follow other gods. Jesus says this in Matthew 4, 7, he said, Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus declares, he will trust God the Father and his timing and his priorities, not seek any sort of personal gain over him. And may we do likewise as we follow Jesus. So in his third temptation now, the devil attempts to coax Jesus into worshiping him in exchange for a great deal of the next form of temptation, power. Satan is going to dangle this opportunity for Jesus to receive God's ultimate plan for him right now. The father wants Jesus to be the king of kings, And Satan is setting up to offer him help to get him to achieve that goal. No hard work. No suffering from a life of obedience. No humiliation. No going to the cross. Just get the power right now. Look at what he does. Matthew 4, 8-9. Again, The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to to him, all this I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Mm. Satan is so sneaky and so cunning. 
He makes temptation look so good. See, this temptation offers Jesus the very thing that is in God's will for Christ. It mixes good with evil and mixes truth with lies. And we need to understand that about our enemy's schemes, that it often mixes good with evil and mixes truth with lies. Today, we are often tempted with gaining power of different kinds. Influence, importance, control could extend from a desire to lead in the church to a desire to be the president of the United States. It could be a power struggle within a marriage. We often want to be in the power position so badly that we will abandon a holy walk with Christ in order to obtain it. And of course, to to obtain any power in this way is to fall down and worship Satan. And Jesus recognizes the trap, so he responds by quoting Deuteronomy 6.13 and 10.20. When he says, Then Jesus said to them, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. See, Jesus knows that no matter what, only God is worthy of our worship. Do you agree with that? Do you honestly agree with that, that only God is worthy of our worship? That means that anything else that takes the place of worshiping God, Satan is one and gained control of your life. He is a roaring lion seeking to devour your soul this day and every day. In all of these ways, subtle, sneaky, tapping into the desires of your flesh, using the beliefs of the world to convince you, don't worship only God. Don't worship just God, but worship yourself as well. Don't forget about you. Satan's lie, beginning with Adam and Eve to every person, basically boils down to this. I can do whatever I want. That's satanic. Because sin seems so good and feels good for a time. But be warned, it does not lead to your best in the end. Listen to John 10.10. It says this, the thief comes only, only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that is how this passage magnificently ends. With our way to victory, that is always 24-7, available to us in Jesus because temptation can be defeated. It can be defeated. And we know this because Jesus was fully human like you and me. In a severely weakened state of hunger from fasting, 
coming off a spiritual high after getting baptized, tempted three times by the sneakiest force in the universe, Satan himself, Jesus won. He won. Look at Matthew 4.11. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The devil is defeated and left. Jesus defeated temptation. Angels come and minister to Jesus, proving, hear this, proving that he was never alone the whole time throughout those temptations. What a truth to hold on to. Because how many times in the face of temptation do we feel alone? This is really good news for us today. That we can defeat all temptations if we, we face, if we follow Jesus' example every single day. Two next steps for you to make this a reality in your life today. First is to believe and receive Jesus as your Savior and your King. We must start here because if you haven't given your life to Jesus, then you are going to fail. You will fail. You won't beat the temptations and you will not get to heaven. Even if you're doing church things, you're serving people, you're, you're reading the Bible every day, you go to youth group, you go to Bible study, you're in a small group. If, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, then you are doing these things for yourself and the affirmation that you will get. If this is you, then see what Satan has done in your life. See that he has tricked you. So what can you do? What must you do? Repent of being your own answer and truly come to Christ. And you can do that today. Simply praying, God, I admit I have never repented of my sin and I've never actually given my life to you to receive your grace that you purchased through Jesus' death and resurrection. I ask for your forgiveness, salvation, and to make Jesus the king of my life. Amen. And then get baptized to show that. That Jesus' command and a necessary first step in your new life. If you haven't been baptized, we have a baptism service coming up in a couple weeks. Write interested in baptism on your communication card or contact the church office. Or you could check the Discuss Spiritual Decisions box if that is appropriate. And the second next step for you that goes for all of us is to worship God and resist the devil every day. Every single day. Consistent worship of God every day through your whole life is necessary as is actively resisting the devil because he never takes the day off. 
Look at God's great promise in James 4, 7. Love this promise. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice the order. First, submit yourselves to God. And then resist the devil because of the power of Christ that is in you. Then the enemy will flee from you. It's not the other way around. Resist and claim your authority over Satan's schemes. We must use God's word accurately like Jesus did. So you must be in God's word every day. I would argue that we don't know the power that we have because we're not reading what God tells us about the power that we actually have. We're waiting for God to speak to us when he already has. We have the written copy or the digital copy on our phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we refuse to tap into it. We have to love God more than every temptation, and this is the way how. Let's not hear about members of Community Grace, those that call Community Grace home, losing temptation this week. May this week we worship and surrender to God every day and resist the devil and flee from him. God, we thank you for the promise. God, that when we pursue you and we resist the enemy, he will flee from us. God, I pray for those hearts today, God, that are being tempted, that are being tormented. God, I pray that they surrender to you. God, may they find hope only in you. God, we thank you that we can turn to you and that through you, we will be victorious. God, may we run to you and resist the enemy. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.